you want to vivo on the podcast again yay we what an astounding time you know what i was thinking of? i just heard i was i listen to podcasts a lot and they always have titles for their listeners like um like tim hawkins has hodunks and mm-hmm. then there's other people like hey bottleheads or and there's like this group of people but the but carl is a singularly brilliant <laughs> the reason there's like so many layers to it one it's just one person it was like mm-hmm. hey Hey Carl. And the second one is that uh, it's not associated with anything. Like it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with the like Bunheads. Was there was a podcast with Bunheads, and that was because of there was a show called Bunheads, and the, and the podcast was about Bunheads. So the, Carl has nothing to do with anything, any title. There's no clever play on there. And then let's not forget all the silent letters. So hey Carl, what's up Carl? <laughs> um, we had. Well, you know the history of Carl. Oh yeah, I was there. No, I was listening. This was, I think it was before we even knew each other. I was on the po- I was listening to your podcast back then. I can't even remember back in the, the early time days. we didn't know each other. I feel like we've known each other our whole life <laughs> forever, forever. Uh, before I'm you sure. had a stand, you had a you had a wooden stand card for your podcast yes. machine. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we started the podcast before we even had a stand. The podcast ninja uh, made that stand for us a few weeks or months into our podcasting because it kept falling over. We kept standing the thing up and it would fall over. Built that that little wooden thing. It took him a few weeks to go, you know, maybe. maybe He got tired of the deafening crash that it would make when it fell over. I ran into a friend of yours at a church in... Kingfisher, Oklahoma. Shout Whoa. out to Kingfisher. I got friends. You do. The guy who's a uh, preacher uh, out there at Kingfisher at Federation Church. Luke. I need more. I need more info. Oh, Luke, uh, uh, R. So, you know his last name. It's A L D E. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Okay, I forget. You know, the last time I saw him, he was in Kansas. So, yeah, that's what he said. Okay, he was in Kansas, and he said, "Me and Juwan go back a long ways," and he told me the history of all of that. But anyway, how did he know we were connected? Did you do you have bits about me in your comedy? Mm -mm. How did we? How did your name come up? Uh, We were talking about the podcast. And then we were talking about skews, and and then you came up on, uh, on skews because you knew okay. skews was me. And I said, Juwan DeVivo, who plays guitar for Casting Grounds. And he goes, I know Juwan. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure you do. But it turns out he really does. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. We're, yeah, we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> we're not enemies. We are not enemies. That, yeah. No, we're, he's a good guy. He is not my enemy, is my friend. Um, or a stranger. I guess you could could be a stranger and not be an enemy right it's true you could be a stranger and an enemy uh that's true too let's <laughs> you think of a war <laughs> warring sides i don't know you i don't know you but we're gonna fight we shall fight each other um so juan came up with a with an interesting topic today in telegram he sent me a a note and tell carl what you were pondering this afternoon Oh, well, things happen inside of my head for a very long time before I ever go, hey, you know what? So uh, I was listening to The Comedian Next Door, 
Mm. And, uh, and they were, uh, they were talking about, um, certain like college. Cause I can't remember what the, you guys were talking about the Asbury revival, but I can't remember what triggered my memory about this, but I was wondering. And the question was, do you think at least, and I, I, I hate when people accuse the whole church of this because sometimes it's just people in America or even a subset of Christianity in America. So do you think some Christians or some churches or some movements or whatever you want to say of Western Christians of American Christians are like, uh, like really focused on a demographic. Like they really want to reach this small people. group. They want to, yeah, they want to reach a people group. Which we'll, I'll clarify that later, but yeah, do you think they're focused on we gotta we gotta reach this? We gotta reach these people, mm-hmm. and for that emphasis is on these people. Yeah, what brought that up? Well, what made me question that in my own head was, uh, gosh, I can't remember how long ago there was a guy that was going to go plant a church, and I was talking to him. And he goes, "Yeah, we're heading to this city, and uh, we're we're planning on reaching uh, young professionals between the ages of like twenty five and thirty five," and I went. Wow! Yeah. Why don't you just go plant a church and and whoever you get is who you get, you know? Well, because those God are the people with all the money. That's who you want to reach. If you're going to pick that up is true. Traffic, you that would help you in the tithing the area and putting up a new building. Oh, man, you! <laughs> I didn't even think of that. I was just going. Well, that's a pretty narrow band of people. Why don't you just? Go? I mean, if you're going to plant a church, just go do a church, and then whoever shows up is is your people. Right, and then you're going to, but. If depending on how militant you're going to be in enforcing, you know, that demographic, are you going to ask to see a W two form? <laughs> I never need to driver's license. Money to come here because <laughs> you don't fit our demographic. Yeah, you don't have a corporate job. You have more like a working industry job. You're uh, <laughs> right. You're entry level. We can't handle that. Well, I I know your reluctance to say this is what. Everybody in the church is doing, and whenever we have these sort of conversations, that's the immediate criticism that gets rendered. Um, oh, yeah, the easiest criticism. It's like, well, you can't say everybody does this, and right, we we know we're not saying everybody does it, so we can just dispense. We can just that's just understood. <laughs> we know yeah. that there are exceptions to the rules. We know that there are there are people who are not doing this. Well, how but, about this? It seems to be a trend. That uh, a large number of churches want to uh, reach a certain group of people. And I'm not even saying that as a code. I mean, just like whatever their focus is. So uh, there's different people with different focuses. But that sounded uh, odd to me that a church would go, we're going to just pay attention to these people. Yeah, so they put an emphasis on them. Right. How about you just look around your community (laughs) and say, these are the people. Well, I think they would say that. I think even the people who are saying we're targeting this particular demographic, if you said, well, why don't you just take the gospel to everybody? They would say, oh, sure, sure, sure. We're going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we're not going to turn anybody away. But they're going to, but their emphasis, their their focus is on a particular type of people, whether it's single moms or whether it's uh, elderly people or whether it's, you know, LGBT people, um, disenfranchised, the poor, uh, drug people, people who are, you know, uh, convicts, people who have criminal (laughs) records. You know, there's all kinds of people that they will emphasize their ministry towards those people. Yeah. 
and it's not well what kind of made me think about this my brother-in-law melody's brother passed away like three years ago and uh uh he was a a minister he was on staff at church several different churches and he started off as a youth pastor and then some of his pastors either they like i don't know if he rubbed them the wrong way or they they were obviously full of themselves a couple of them he had some bad leadership in his churches and they would move him around so one Mm -hmm. church he was in um he started off as a youth pastor then he was uh men's ministry i think then they even move him to the greeter ministry so a paid staff member is doing your your greeter ministry and then uh yeah. but everywhere he went wherever they plugged him in he he would buckle down and start pouring into people where whoever was around him and whoever he was talking to he was he was teaching them uh the gospel about servanthood about um loving people and he would love them and then they would go and do the same thing and then that whatever he was in the greeter ministry was like at that church was like the biggest thing. People were wanting to be a part of the greeter ministry. He just everybody wants to be a greeter. He threw enthusiasm and care and whatever he was in, whatever he found to do with his hands, he did it with he all of his might. As unto the Lord. Yeah. So what made me think of because because I wanted to be a youth pastor at one point, and I was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to be youth pa- or worship pastor, or maybe worship and youth, or maybe, and I think. We've got such uh, specialized, and this is a this is a theory, so I can be proven wrong on this. But I'm wondering, like, is all of our ministry so specialized that we can't think beyond? Like, I'm worship pastor, I can't do this thing because that's outside the bounds of worship. So we all have like specialists, but not anybody that can just be like, I'm a minister of the word, and wherever that puts me, I'll I'll do it. I'll minister of the word and that's why he was such an inspiration to me because he just i would have been like man or you know a lot of ministers if they put you on the greeter ministry you'd have been like let me put some resumes out there and see where god quote uh, air quotes god calls me right but he stayed there and he's like nah, we're gonna do it here and uh, i'm gonna make this a this is gonna be a great ministry because i love jesus and i just want to teach these people how to love jesus and show other people that they the, uh, you know, how to love Jesus too. And it just kind of multiplies. So he would do discipleship basically anywhere he went, didn't matter what the title was. And I was like, that is, that is great. Made me rethink everything. I, I think that you are, I think you're correct. The, 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 uh, segment, segmenting, segmenting the population into different, uh, demographics and different types of people has I, I think the wisdom to be fair is that you're you're saying okay certain certain types of people this demographic has this sort of shared um, experience in common you know like people who have people who have been addicted to a substance or something they're going to have an understanding of what it is to be an addict that somebody who has never been addicted to a substance um, probably doesn't have. So there's going to be some insights. Um, if you're, if you're reaching out to people who don't speak English, for example, I know that there are some churches that put an emphasis on Spanish speaking. Oh yeah. Spanish speaking population. Okay. Well then obviously there's a big difference there between people who speak English and people (laughs) who speak Spanish. And so you're going to have to make adjustments in the way you do that ministry. And so I think there's, there is a point where it makes some sense and there's a point where i think that 
that is justifiable. Um, I think where things go kind of sideways is what you were describing, where you've got a paid staff person who is in charge of the ministry and how that translates as somebody who has been both um, in has been a paid staff member and also been just a regular guy who goes to church. I've been in both <laughs> positions. I know that the the temptation for people who are not staff members is to just let staff do it. They're the ones who are getting paid. And they would never say this out loud. They would never go, oh, it's their job to do it. Some of them do. but most I don't of even them. know sometimes if people are aware that they're doing that. Right. Like you're saying, yeah. Well, but but they what they say is that person is trained or that person has that gift. And a lot oh, of yeah, times yeah, they'll, they'll say training and they'll say giftedness and they will equate them as the same thing. And so then they'll say, well, they should do it because God has gifted them with the ability to do this particular ministry. God did not gift me with that ability. And so it becomes a, a cop out. Basically, It'll, it allows people who who are not trained are not staff whatever to make an excuse for not doing not not targeting any demographic they they're, they're not they're not just targeting a demographic they're they're targeting nothing they're yeah. they're saying they're not doing anything to proactively um serve the the body and that's really what it is it's serving the body and as you were describing you know, reaching these demographics, I was thinking about the big demographic that we were going after a few years ago was the unchurched, and that's in air quotes, the unchurched people. We're going to we're gonna specifically emphasize people with no church background, unchurched people. And it's like, it occurred to me just this afternoon after talking to you, when the unchurched are your demographic, the instant they become a church, the instant they become members of the church, now they're no longer part of the they're no longer part of the demographic the people the you're reaching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? you just stop reaching them now. You're in. Right. We're yeah, done reaching once you. They become part of the church, then then there's no ministry for those people, <laughs> and uh, there's there's no ministry to those people. Is what I mean to say. And so, right. uh, yeah, I I think that the the other area where this is is an issue is in youth ministry. Because youth, quote unquote, are a demographic in the, to themselves. And you can say the same thing, that youth are in a different place than the adults. Um, and so you need to communicate ministry. You need to communicate the gospel message differently to them. And I suppose if you want to say that youth is like a different language, like Spanish, then you could make that case and say, yeah, well, then you need somebody who speaks youth in order to communicate. We, we probably got too many youth pastors speaking in Gen Z right now, though. Well, so. but, the, but then that's the question. That's the question is whether or not, is that really all that we're doing? Is Are we really just adapting the language to reach a particular demographic or are we changing the entire uh, message? Are we changing the gospel? when we do this, because it's easy to do that. It's easy to, to start to cut things out and to add other things in the name of trying to reach this particular demographic. Yeah. But, oh, that's a crazy, yeah, that's, I'm, I was hoping we'd get to the point of 
I, there's a difference in like what you were saying between a, a Spanish church and somebody who's only, you know, a, a church that's trying to just reach just the unchurched because that's what you're saying is once they get in and they accept Christ, then it's like the ministry's over. So that's the right. same thing with, uh, with youth. There's like a, you know, there's a calling like individually, if you feel, you know, you feel like God has given you an opportunity and the means to minister to, to younger people, to teenagers and stuff, then that's, mm -hmm. that's what you should be doing. But that's all, that's a private thing between you and God and, and, and you learning how to follow his lead and that kind of thing. But, yeah, I don't have anybody to to accuse. I don't have any churches to accuse about that. But like you're saying, if you because I have seen um, or I've, I've seen uh, youth messages to youth that were basically just social. It was like a social advice. Here's here's right. just social advice for you guys. And so um, and it gets right. away from like you said because. Man, I think we touched on this the last time we got together and talked was um, there's something people won't come to you uh, for something they can get everywhere else. Right. And as a Christian, right. you're just by saying I'm a Christian, I believe Christ is the only cure. Then you're right off the bat. You're saying I have something no one else has. And I'd like to I'd like to give this to you. So if they right. come in and you just kind of give them the same stuff. They've been getting just be nice to each other and let's all get along. And but why believe in yourself? Yeah, believe in yourself. <laughs> That's the thing. It's Don't really let anybody put you down. It's crazy. Did I tell you about this? Is a story. My son was probably eight or nine, and we were in a hotel room and just watching. There was a TV commercial on kids coming up to bat, he's playing. He's it's you know, the kids probably first pitch saw you know, first pitch baseball he's playing, and uh, the parents are in the stands. Mm -hmm. And he goes, if you believe in yourself, and the kid hits the ball and it goes over the fence, he goes, you can do wonders. And Jesse's like, boo, you got to practice. <laughs> I, like, I never taught you that. How, do you, how did you figure that out? How do you know that? If there's any message that's opposite of believe in yourself, it's, it's got to be the gospel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so why, the why are we, why are we teaching yourself. this to people? It's, if it's the opposite of the gospel, then it's if the gospel teaches you about life, then what does the opposite of gospel teach you? So, well, I think that I, I do think you're onto something. It, this occurred to me as well this morning, as a matter of fact, as I was uh, in the shower. That's where my brain starts to function. Um, <laughs> that this, this, uh, what's I don't have the right word. It's not really outrage, but the disappointment that people have been expressing for the Disney corporation, you know, of late, the Disney corporation has gone quote unquote woke and they've got, they're starting to put an agenda in their various uh, programs and whatnot. Right. And there's, there are a lot of people, Christian people, church people who are like, it's so sad, you know, to see Disney, which used to be, which used to be a family oriented, family friendly, um, you know, company now that they're, they're they've lost touch with those values. And it occurred to me, and I, I may upset some people. I, I don't mean to, but <laughs> um, I don't know that Disney was ever really pro family, you know, because the only, the only really pro family theology is, is Christianity. 
mean, that's really the only Judeo-Christian ethics is is pro-family. There's nothing in secularism, certainly, that's that's pro-family because there's no there's nothing based in rooting that in there. But Disney specifically was always about uh, wishing upon a star, you know, believing in yourself um, your and Jiminy, you go back to Pinocchio. Yeah, your dreams come true. Yeah, I mean, your dreams come true. Jiminy Cricket was uh, Pinocchio's conscience. He was his conscience because the conscience wasn't something that was within within that boy. It was it was the Jiminy Cricket basically told him right and wrong. It wasn't a transcendent right and wrong. It was just <laughs> his cricket's opinion of how he was supposed to be. And, uh, okay. and perhaps I'm overanalyzing this, but I don't, but I don't well, think, I, so. I think, I think, well, I think the Christian people have been, have been swallowing the Disney theology and going along with it. It's like, yeah, you can't really wish upon a star and make your dreams come true, but we still like these movies and we still consider them family friendly and good. And, but that's, but that's, giving way to uh paganism it's letting paganism have a have a foot in the door when you say you know wish upon a star or paint with all the colors of the wind oh yeah or, just kind of or a kiss will bring people back from the dead or i mean you can go on and on and find all your wishes out there theologically problematic but we give it a pass because it's disney well uh, i'll say this for one thing i think walt disney grew up when he grew up, the atmosphere, even if you weren't, you know, a a diehard, even if you weren't a priest, the atmosphere of the where he grew up and everything was Christian. Families are good. And right. uh children are having children is a good thing and those kind of things. And so the when he when he conceived all these things, I think his uh, intentions were for family. And those kind of things, but yeah, uh, I guess throwing some of that stuff out there, like, um, well, I, the other on the other hand too, I, I've read pagan stories to my kids. I've read them the Iliad and uh, the Odyssey, and so what I'm careful with is you extract the virtue, and then you say all oh, this other stuff is sure is dross. But like sure. what you're saying too, when we talk about atmosphere, is like when you're constantly swimming in all of that. And you're not really and get you know, like if you're raising kids and you're not engaging them in conversation about what's well, even with like Frozen, we saw Frozen. Um, uh, there's so there's Elsa and Anna. Elsa's got the big song. She's got the cool powers and uh, and and everything. The almost the whole movie is about her. So when we were driving out of the parking lot, I was I made sure to tell the kids I go, you know, Anna was the hero of that, right? She was the one. She sacrificed herself. She had zero powers. She didn't have the big song with the big high notes, but she had, but she gave herself up for her sister. And I made sure they knew that because things like, well, you said like a kiss can bring people to life, but still there's that idea of resurrection or coming back from. So that's what happened to Anna. She sacrificed herself and she was resurrected. So those are things you can use for good. But like you're sure. saying, if, if all you're doing is marinating and, and that whole thing is, is, Something will get lost, and you'll just be you'd be carried around by the tide. You'll just be right. like a dead fish in the river. You just kind of be you'll well, float I along. I don't want to throw Disney under the bus, and I don't want to. <laughs> and I didn't. I really don't. And I don't want to say that that what they were doing, you know, certainly back when Walt was doing 
his stuff that it was intentionally um counter family i don't think that's the case what i what i'm saying is that yes i agree with you i think that they were pro-family but that that judeo-christian ethic was much stronger and it was a given in america right at that time. That's what I'm it saying. was just it was understood and that's what you're saying and i agree with that 100 percent. what i think has happened though is over the last 60 70 years that uh, Judeo-Christian ethic has been taken for granted and been assumed. And so when it was, yeah. it was assumed, but it wasn't emphasized. And so in, in the Disney movies, they don't talk about Christ. They don't talk about God and, and that's okay. But what that has done is it's eroded the, uh, the value. We don't, we don't know where those values came from now. And we have in yeah. our postmodern culture and these, uh, these generations now, the younger generations have grown up with no foundation for why family is a good thing. Whereas the previous generations just assumed it was a good thing because that they had that Judeo-Christian ethic already. It was all around in America. And those of us who were Christians, the people who were genuine Christians go, well, sure, this is biblical. This is, this is God. God gave us marriage and God gave us a family. They understood that. But it wasn't actually spoken um, in the culture, right? And so, and we, so it's gone now. And so we are. There are people who are questioning even whether or not there. There are people who now who are literally questioning um, telling a telling that your child is male or female when they're born because even even the concept of gender, even the, the concept of identity, is completely. Uh, it's chaos yeah, to it's these gone. people. They're, they're, they're not found. There's no foundation for anything. And I think that Disney, again, uh, not to, not to throw him under the bus, <laughs> but, but I think it's one of the reasons that people don't understand um, th their own sense of identity. And one of the reasons that people don't have any sort of moral compass is because the culture has, has never, pointed true north the, the compass has never said this is there is a god and you need to pattern your life by his standards by his ethics by what he says is good um and, and then slowly over the years because it was never grounded in in christianity it's it's gone away and now people are questioning everything they've deconstructed everything and they said well who says that it's good for a woman to stay home and raise children why can't she go out and have a career why can't she and and so these are the conversations and then the christians you know for their part are going oh we're not saying that they can't have we're not saying that there's not other things you can do besides raising children and but this is where the conversation goes because there's nobody there's nobody has actually planted a flag in the culture and said no this thing is the right thing to do and doing something other than this is the not right thing to do man that's such a yeah um i, I agree with you i'm trying i was gonna say dang it i lost trans thought but uh the uh gosh because when you the thing is without christ none of that makes sense though because if you right. go if you go a woman's most important job is is teaching and raising her children even right. if she has a career her most important job and the, and the even c.s lewis i read this quote he's like that's the most important job in the world is a woman 
right. having children and raising them. And it, all the other jobs go to support that job. It's right. like every other job in the world supports that job. Right. So um, that, that is such an odd thing to say to this. That's culture. what I'm saying. The, our culture has no idea what you just said. No, Carl that's... and me understand it, but the culture does not. <laughs> Carl knows everything. Mm. That's what I get. That's uh, well. There's two things. We did a poor job. I remember what I was going to say. Now we did a poor job, Christians, in uh, perpetuating that. When you were talking about um, Judeo-Christian ethics, like we eventually, I don't know about your mom and dad, but uh, my mom and dad's generation, they kind of just went to church, like. You see it on the Simpsons and on what was it, Home Improvement? <laughs> those those things. Right. They would just go to church. They wouldn't really tell you. It was just kind of a guy. Uh, who else did that? It was just in the show. It was just kind of. You remember the show Seventh Heaven? Did you ever see that? I, I never watched it, but I know I remember it. That <laughs> but show, I know what it, yeah. That show was always uh, that. That always bothered me because that dude was a preacher. I mean, yeah, the was, dad he, was, he, yeah. Yeah, he was a minister in a church. And so they were a presumably Christian family. And they went through all of these things. And it was, relatively speaking, it was a wholesome show. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't right awful. or anything, yeah. But, but, it, but it, it goes to my point, because it was wholesome, and it was decent. And they went through all of these family crises, and they went together, and they were solid, and they took care of each other. But they never mentioned Jesus. And this was a this was a Christian family, and they never mentioned Jesus. And they well, never did went, he? They never went to the Bible, you know, to to for wisdom. Oh, fix their problems, yeah, yeah. Uh, or solve their problems. Did they ever have a joke where he was like, "Well, you know, I don't bring the office work home with me." <laughs> I don't <laughs> I remember. I can't I do that. It seems like that would be a thing. It it was a you know it was a good show, but it, but it, I think it's another it's it would be another one that I would point to that would say yeah, but that's. That's part of the problem is there's a there's yeah. a theology that's being taught here that uh, and because you it's can not, do this life yeah. without all of that, without all that. And he was and a that, preacher. That's the thing. You, you <laughs> would expect him to be going to the Bible and to be like, well, you know, the good Jesus. book. At least he would be like yeah. the good book if they didn't want him to say Bible. But that's mm -hmm. well, that's the thing is uh, the why of it. You when you say when you like say you pull it up and you go. Hey, Seventh Heaven, that was a wholesome show. And if somebody today goes, well, why? And if you don't have, there's nobody has right. an answer for them right. because that's because you're like, yeah, well, there's there's deeper truths. But that was the thing about um, uh, when gay marriage was uh, like first when it, I think Obama was president and it became like a hot topic. And I and I I just felt I don't know I felt I felt the tide turning just because. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody was kind of panicking and they were buzzing around. They go, oh, what are we going to do? And I'm like, guys, you've had so long to show them what real marriage is supposed to be right. about. And right. now you have zero argument. You you have no legs to stand on because you haven't shown a representation of what God said as one man, one woman and committed to each other right. for their lives. And um, because uh, either maybe you thought they weren't the one or you fell out of love or whatever your reasoning was, but um, you didn't show them what you didn't show your kids, what true love is. And now you, you can't teach anybody that. And uh, because you don't have a, what, what experiential knowledge do you have of this? Right. And so, what yeah. What life evident. Well, yeah. Why is that better? Why is that better? Why are you trying to make that a thing? That's a great point. And that, 
that gets back to I think the original point where we were talking about which demographic are we going to target in the church? And that's the problem with targeting any particular demographic is if you're, what are you targeting them for? What are you trying to do? Well, we're trying to convince them that the gospel is true. Okay. Well then what are they going to do with that? Well then, uh, mm, I guess they're going to come to church on Sunday. Okay. So, so what we're, what we're still trying to do is recruit people to come to church on Sunday morning. Um, And I don't think that there's, necessarily anything wrong with that but i do think that it is um not going to happen if if we're if if we're just trying to come up with a marketing campaign that's going to entice people to become disciples of jesus because as you said and you and c.s lewis both said um raising children (laughs) is how you produce christians you don't produce christians really by by a slick marketing campaign that draws people into church on Sunday. Christians are raised in Christian homes. And that's not to say that there aren't people who are not raised in Christian homes who don't come to Christ. Um, but that's not the majority of where, that, that, that's not where the majority of discipleship happens. It doesn't happen on Sunday morning. And, and most of the honest churches will say as much. They'll say, we can't disciple you in an hour a week. We can't disciple you in two hours a week, one on Wednesday and one on Sunday. It's going to have to be, it's going to have to be a lifestyle change. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to start employing or uh, implementing your theology into every day, into every, and the only way that you can do that is, is in a family. is in a is in a community that that uh does life together to use the phrase (laughs) you're trying Um, to you went a little (laughs) but but that's what it is right i mean you can't you're not gonna you're not gonna preach a sermon once a week you're not gonna have a bible study once a week and really um pass on the gospel it has to be in community i was talking to a staff guy sunday right after worship and um he was like yeah the the first church where you know met every day and broke bread together and they were right. teaching the apostles were teaching them every day right. so that was a that's a thing and that's why I, too i've uh i tried to do everybody we always talk about a daily bible study but i i um since we I visited an Anglican church a while back and uh, and I bought a little book of common prayer and I was like, whoa, these people, they pray twice a day. They go in the morning before they go to work and they come back home and they pray again. I'm like, wow. And that's, I'm sure not every Anglican does that, but that was, that was the, that was the, the rhythm of that day was to, right. was to start your day with Christ, to end it with Christ. To, there's even a third, it's called compline. It's what you pray before you go to bed. It's like a little, you know, and we used to, that used to be a thing. You'd, uh, even in TV shows, people would sit by their bed and, and say a little prayer Full before prayer. they get in there. Yeah. Before they get in there yeah. in their bed. But that's what I think when you guys talk about construct deconstruction and those guys, I think that was because, uh, you know, when they talk, we talk about spoon feeding people, the, mm-hmm. the Bible, I don't think they were even spoon fed the Bible. I think they were spoon fed. I don't know, some kind of sugary, uh, Captain Crunch version <laughs> of that. Which people because, are you talking about? Oh, like the, well, you know. So now nowadays it's like uh, 
so I guess Gen Z is around 30 now, the, the, up, the upper echelon. And some yeah. of the, the, what was the next one? The millennials, that, that kind of batch right there. Because there was a few of Christian artists that, that denounced that basically said, I don't believe in God anymore. Yeah. And uh, I called a youth pastor friend of mine and I was like, did we do something wrong? What were we doing back then? And uh, he said yeah. that he was even guilty of it. He was like, man, we were just, we taught behavioral modification and we didn't teach the gospel. It was like, just don't do this and stay away from this. And we talked a lot about sex and that was it. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they grew up. And then I, I saw this one uh, post where a person was like, I loved church when I was a kid because because I had this emotional um, experience when I was there, and then I went and saw like uh, Harry Styles, and I had the same experience. And I found out I just like live music. Yeah, was, I read that. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so they were like, there. It wasn't so. So it was like, what did you give them while they were in church that was different from a Harry Styles concert? Obviously, nothing because they exchanged it. They were like, we'll just trade this out. And uh, yeah. So unless somebody yeah. finds purpose and the life and death and resurrection of Christ, they're going to, they're going to find a substitute somewhere. Um, sure. Well, yoga. And, and and you can't do, I, I maintain that you can't do it. It It's not entirely, it's not entirely the, the youth ministers. No, I'd call it cause I've been doing, I'd been doing youth ministry since 96. So yeah, yeah. I, well, cause I've been helping with youth since then, since I was in college. Yep. And uh, I felt like we were doing the right thing, but then I saw all these guys that were basically the age of the kids we were working with, and they're like, "Nah, just I don't know anymore. I don't know, right. God." I'm like, "What were we teaching you? So, or what well, were that, you being taught?" But that would be the only thing that would probably require repentance uh, at some point is if you is if you realize, oh, that thing that I was doing, I was doing it because I thought it was the right thing to do, but it turns out it wasn't the right thing to do. So I need to ask God to forgive me. Um, but, but that would be the hubris, I guess, for lack of a better term, the, the hubris of believing that your youth ministry actually can produce Christians. That if we do ministry, if we do youth ministry the right way, we will produce um, rock solid Christian people when, um, we can't do that. We, we, we have, we just don't have the power to make people into Christians. All we can do. I, I am, I was a youth minister. You know, uh -huh. I was, I was part of the, I was you still work the, with youth, right? Yeah. I still, work on, I still work with youth. I teach every week. Um, but I, I do not, I do not think that I have the, the power to change what's going on in those kids homes those kids are they're doomed their, their parents are are on drugs or in prison or both and um they're not being raised with a with with a sense that there is a god and that god has a certain expectation for the how we are supposed to live and if you don't live in such a way that honors the one who gave you that life then that makes you a bad person and these are all things that that don't get taught overnight. They don't get taught in a single lesson. They have to be, your word is marinate, and it's a good word. You have to marinate in this stuff. You, you marinate in the truth, and it soaks into you. And before long, it it's just, it's not, it's not a philosophy that's out there. It becomes who you are. 
but you have to soak in it and you have to and suck it up. And any any youth minister, and I'm pointing at myself, <laughs> who, who thinks that it, that he has an awesome enough youth program that he's going to turn people into Christians is is uh, overestimating his abilities. Even if you even if you ask God, you know, hey, help me, Lord, to produce to, to be productive in this youth ministry for your glory. I, I imagine that God is saying gently, that's not what I, that's not the way that, that my, uh, that children are going to learn about me. I gave them parents. I gave them parents and a family and that family is supposed to raise them. And it's, it's admirable and good. If you want to assist the family, if you want to continue to reinforce the true things that the family is saying at home, but you saying true things um, to these children once a week is not going to overcome the damage that's being done in the home by the, by the families that are not Christian. Okay. I was, <laughs> cause I, I was listening intently cause I never actually thought about the perspective of uh, as a youth pastor going, you know what? I'm not going to make these kids Christians, but that's surrendering your, like you said, your influence to the Holy spirit to do his work in their lives. Just like you're saying, and like uh, with Chris and the lighthouse, when you, when kids come there, um, you, if people, if kids get saved, that's awesome. And that's why that program, that's why he does that thing. And, and, and actually right. show some of those kids that he, that there is somebody who cares about you, if nothing right. else, that they get out to know that somebody cares. And so what you're saying too is, but you're, you are, you are, man. And there are kids who have, and I, I know a couple off the top of my head that they don't have good home lives and it's just it's rough. And like you said, they have to, they, by the grace of God, they have marinated themselves in the word. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's a hard and difficult thing. But what you're saying is the way it's set up is for the parents to bring the kids up. And if in fighting that sometimes is a losing battle, if the parents aren't like if the parents are completely against you. And then, so like one hour, like not even an hour, 30 minutes that you're talking right. a week is not going to completely undo. God does miracles, but right. that's not the way he, that's not what, that's not the order that he put things in so for the parents yeah. to just do whatever. And then we send them off to church and then they get good. Well, we, we have not let, parents have just been lazy um and i'm i'm including myself in this it's it's too easy it's too easy to put in a disney video for example and go <laughs> well this is wholesome they're not going to see any swearing they're not going to they're not going to hear any swearing they're not going to see any any you know illicit acts and everything this is so this is a good program and again i'm, I'm gonna sound like i'm bashing disney but i'm really not <laughs> uh, um it, it's it's well, not it's not enough to just be good, decent, wholesome people. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say. It's it's not enough for Christians to go. Well, you just need to be a decent person, because you're not saying why. Why, why do I need to be a decent person? Why, why, why don't I just do what I want? Why don't I just take what I want from anybody who's weaker than me? Why shouldn't I do that? And when you don't have that explicit conversation with children, when you just when you just leave children to assume that morality is a thing that is a good idea, you know, it's a good idea 
to behave yourself. You're you're eventually going to get to the end of the generation that just accepts that as as true. The the generation that marinated in that, they're they're dying. They're gone now. And so their children are also getting close to being gone. Yeah. And so what's left is now you've got three generations removed from that. And it's not it's not assumed anymore that being married and raising children is a good and right thing to do. And the reason that it's not assumed anymore is because Christians, and again, I'm including myself in this, have not been clear and careful in enunciating why it's good to be in a family, why it's good to stay together, why it's good to not cheat on your spouse, why it's good to obey your parents, why it's good to respect authority. We haven't been explicit in explaining that to people, and so they just don't know. Yeah, and then if you if you just kind of give them a generic here, follow this morality, right. then all they have to do is swap it for another morality. Yeah.